0: On this week's episode of Pod Help Idaho, we discuss for the first time in history us agreeing with Representative Heather Scott. Granted, we talk about more things, but that is the groundbreaking news.
1: Okay, everyone, welcome to Pod Help Idaho. I'm Dan Hanks. And I'm Shem Hanks. And the legislative session wrapped up March 25th. 2019, or at least that's when it was scheduled to wrap up. <laughs> and instead, it will go until June, I expect. I expect this will never <laughs> end. Could you imagine if we gave these guys six months of opportunity to pass bills? Yeah, I
0: once asked Senator Souza if they thought that they were in session for uh, not long enough amount of time because they don't tend to discuss things for very long. And she, her, her perspective of it was, oh no, we're in there for the adequate amount of time. And man, I believe Senator Souza. I do not want these people to be in there for longer than they currently are.
1: <laughs> so this week we're believing Senator Souza and we're supporting Heather Scott. So this is there's going to be a lot to unpack. Uh, this is. Been uh, a really busy day in the Idaho legislature, and it sort of seems like this entire session has been about Medicaid expansion.
0: Because it has
1: been. We predicted this before it started, by the way, that this was like the big thing. What are they going to do? Are they going to do sideboards? Are they going to do this? so they going to do that? Here we are past the date of when they're supposed to be wrapped up and what's going on the exact same questions as day one you want to see inefficiency in government take a look at these characters yes (laughs) so we always joke how these uh representatives pass a ton of bills and nobody's paying attention to and i don't know what the count is For the year and how we're doing compared to other times, but it seems like they have to have slowed down with so much focus on Medicaid expansion because this has been a man this in terms of news. This is dominating everything. Yeah, Yeah, all the news coming out of the legislature is about Medicaid expansion sideboards and trying to basically end the initiative process in Idaho.
0: Yeah. Medicaid expansion's been happening for so long now, at least in terms of the debate, that I am ready to start talking about other things, but that is not <laughs> this day.
1: So why don't we start off with the up-to-date? If you're just tuning into the podcast, um, here we are on th- on Thursday the 27th, and uh, why well, don't we We're make Wednesday the 27th, oh or we're Thursday win- the usually, 28th. We yeah. usually do it on Wednesday, so my days are off. But there's a Gonzaga game tomorrow, so we're going to be... Um, watching Gonzaga when we usually do this so what happened today let's just let's start with today and then see if we can cover off of today but let's start there as a center what happened all right
0: well let's just start in the house yeah where the house uh got to have a hearing in front of the state affairs committee for senate bill 1159 now let's remember from the last couple of weeks that senate bill 1159 the purpose of it is to limit the ballot initiative process yeah so brought before committee where its co-sponsor in the house sage dixon from uh legislative district one was the individual who got to uh testify for it where he talks about having the voice of rural Idaho be heard by Mm. Senate bill 1159 (laughs) and technically his house seatmate and Heather Scott also from legislative district one. Now let's keep in mind some things about Heather Scott. One, she wandered through in a parade holding a Confederate flag. Yep. She had all of her committee assignments once stripped because, well, she was saying weird things. Yes. And now today, she stands up and says, I work for the people. I work for the little guy. And I believe this will make it harder for the little guy to have his voice be heard. Which is true. Which is true. Heather Scott was speaking in opposition of Senate Bill 1159. So why would she do that? She was so truthful to her values of uh, limiting government overreach, having rural communities be heard, that something that her Republican colleagues are trying to ramrod through the legislature to limit future ballot initiatives, she was speaking in opposition towards. So if you were going into today... And if you had money on Heather Scott (laughs) being in opposition to Senate Bill 1159, you made some money because no one would have seen that coming.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if you were in Vegas, uh, I I don't know why they would take that bet. But um, the interesting thing is everyone thinks, you know, the kind of Democratic messaging has been this is about Proposition 2. You were ahead of everybody said this about proposition one. I think it's also about other propositions that are uh, that are coming up. If there was no other initiatives that we know are coming up, we might not be seeing these issues. So we know there's an attempt to legalize marijuana. We know there's a ballot initiative out there, maybe coming down the pipe for minimum wage. We know a ballot initiative was even filed to make ballot initiatives easier. So, Um, these are coming down the pipe. Um, and so to me, I've always seen this as a reactionary bill. And what I've argued on this podcast before is Republicans should be careful about ending the initiative process because they might want to use it someday. And when I think of somebody like Heather Scott, the only reason, the only rationale I can think of that she might do this is that she's thinking, I've got these ideas that aren't held by the mainstream. I think that's how Heather Scott really sees herself, as evidenced by the Confederate flag. Yeah.
0: And an argument that you're hearing is this, uh, well, Senate Bill 1159 is about uh, retaliation towards Medicaid expansion. Right. And individuals are... Who are advocating for it are saying, "Well, no, it's about getting rural voters." Right. And then Heather Scott was asked, "Oh, so, what do you think the Senate bill is about?" And she's like, "Oh, it's retaliation for a Prop <laughs> deal
1: That's funny. That's funny, boy. Just so honest this yep. time. This time around, for some reason. But, you know, I don't know if it's actually retaliation. It might be, but I think it's more complicated than just being about Proposition Two. I think it's about a fear of a national movement because it just wasn't prop to, uh, you know, it wasn't just Medicaid expansion here. It had previously passed in Maine. It had previously, you know, or there's some ballot initiatives passed in Utah. So we've talked about for a long time how progressive ideas are oftentimes supported by conservative state voters when they're not tied to a Democratic label. And when we look at this idea of Medicaid expansion, you just put it in front of voters. They're like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea because it wasn't tied to a party. And so it's a very effective way to try to move the needle forward for states is to get things on a ballot and not have anything to do with one political party or the other. Can people just be like, yes, I like that. That looks like a good thing to me. And I'd like to vote for that instead of being tied to partisan politics. So. We've known for a long time, you think of somebody like Mary Susan to me as a classic example of somebody who wants the control to be wherever she is. If she's a regular voter, she wants the control there. Well, she happens to be a legislator, so she wants the control to be at that point. And most of the establishment legislators want the control to be at their level, they want that control um, to be in the Senate, to be in the House. So, now there's Scott's making sort of an amazing move that you're right actually fits with her values that I think the little guy might get stomped on. And clearly when Sage Dixon or anybody else says, this is about giving more power to rural voters. No, it isn't. (laughs) And if you were trying to, if you were trying to do that, you might make legislation that says you have to, reach the threshold in six rural counties and then define what the rural counties are in idaho that might be the way you do that what they're doing is making it a whole bunch harder right that's what they're trying to do
0: yeah and and priscilla giddings even spoke against this representative priscilla giddings Uh, who i may have never agreed with on anything either (laughs) and she's speaking against it though heather scott Had a quote that goes along with what you're saying, where she said, The establishment fears losing control. Yeah. And that's Heather Scott saying that.
1: Yeah, but she's right. That's exactly correct. That's what this is about. This is about fear of the establishment losing control. And she's seeing, I might, she might need to pass a ballot initiative at some point. You know, what would be an issue that would be important to Heather Scott? Maybe increased gun rights. You know, some. Some issue around gun legislation that she knows if if that was important to her and the people that she represents, it would be much more difficult to pass this new threshold. And she holds some ideas that aren't embraced by the establishment and she might want to get a ballot initiative herself or some of her supporters or groups that she's associated with might want to go around that establishment and, uh, you know. It's weird to see her be so correct on an issue. Mm. But it's great. It's great. I really support it when people are true. You know, I talk all the time about this idea of a crooked ruler, where you use your value system one way in one situation, and then you just turn it a little to the side in this other situation. And I think we should call out Republicans and Democrats that do that. And I really appreciate this is a situation where she's saying, you know, "This, this actually protects my constituents. And she's
0: right. Yeah. I guarantee that your crooked ruler theory is going to come up here in a few minutes.
1: <laughs> but, okay. So that's where the day started.
0: Yeah. And so that bill passed out of committee 10 to 5 okay. and is supposed to be brought up on the House floor tomorrow. Okay. So we will see. Do you have any predictions for uh San It'll bill? pass. Yeah, it's going <laughs> yeah, to pass. Yeah, it's going to pass. Yeah. All right, so let's move over to the Senate where they were hear, hearing hearing the uh, House bill that added sideboards to Medicaid expansion.
1: Yeah, sideboards to Medicaid expansion. Oh, it's great. So I saw early this morning, and it looks like they actually put this out yesterday, but I saw it early this morning, that the C- Center for Fiscal policy um put together basically a breakdown of of uh, the house bill that was being considered by the, by the senate house bill 277 and um it looks like their prediction is that bill is going to have a net cost to idaho of 42 million dollars so that's how i started up my morning was putting out some some Facebook content or tweeting about how you know fiscally irresponsible this bill is going to be, and we started looking at some hard data of this is going to be pretty expensive, um, and we're going to lose not just lose a lot of the savings that we had by Medicaid expansion, but we're going to increase costs. Um, and and it was really kind of a nice piece saying this is going to be um, a really fiscally irresponsible decision to go forward with House Bill Two Seventy Seven. So going into that hearing, that's part of the information coming into it. Then, as I understand it, as the hearing's going on, it looks like it plays out the way that other hearings on Medicaid sideboards have gone. Basically a whole bunch of people come and say, you know, this is a really bad idea and we should we should implement Medicaid the way that we wrote it on the ballot and we should you know respect what what voters wanted to have accomplished and that was the kind of standard content for
0: including same old same old where you're saying bunch of people it looks like between 50 and 60 people show up to speak in opposition yep and one showed up for mr fred bernbaum oh fred bernbaum fred bernbaum i
1: heard something it wasn't from this one but i think it was a different committee meeting where he was like the first person to stand in line to be able to talk and then when he made his statement the first part of his statement was i didn't intend to speak today (laughs) i was just hanging out guys fred you always intend on speaking (laughs) whether or not you give yourself an opportunity so it's the same old same old we have a lot of activated people who worked really hard on the signature gathering campaign they put in a lot of hours so a lot of people who really invested in in proposition two And so, um, it seems like they've been able, you know, different groups, Democrats reclaim Idaho, you know, uh, Idahoans for healthcare, different groups have been able to get people to show up and testify about, about this bill. Um, lots of people who it will end up impacting. So that happened again. And they over and over my boring statement of the year is, you know, protect the will of the voters or, you know, whatever insert phrase and then will of the voters. So, um, It looks like that routine was going on, and it sort of, as I was reading articles and tweets coming out, it sort of looked to me like it was just going to sail through like it has at every other hearing. And then something fantastic happened. What happened there, Shem? A federal judge
0: got involved, but not in Idaho. Oh, (laughs) no, no, no. A federal judge ruled that in Arkansas and Kansas, where they passed... uh, Sideboards or work requirements, uh, the federal judge said,
1: You know, that's pretty unconstitutional what you're doing. So, other states have passed this work requirement, and a federal judge at the same time as this hearing, <laughs> which seems more than coincidental, but I think it is. I'm pretty sure this yeah. is just coincidental, happened, they have nothing to do with each other. And suddenly, the Senate uh, Health and Welfare Committee is getting reports to their desks of this judge's ruling. (laughs) Now, I always say, these people will pass any bill that they think people don't know about. They don't care. But the minute that they're going to get the national attention of passing a bill... At the exact same time, it's being ruled unconstitutional. The uh, the Senate Health and Welfare Committee is like, ah, uh, yeah, we're just going to put that in our pocket.
0: <laughs>
1: but not Mary Sousa. Oh, never Mary Sousa. Mary Sousa, we will says we will march forward, to pit, no matter if it's unconstitutional or not.
0: <laughs> so I like... <laughs> just the visual of they're all sitting up there and the report comes in and people are looking at their phones. People in the audience (laughs) can't believe it. People are trying to testify and they're walking up and saying things like, well, we've been trying to discuss what uh, Governor Little meant when he said the Idaho way of implementation and what policy that would be. But now let's just try to make it legal, everyone. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so... The uh, Senate committee then puts it in a drawer, yep. but the chair, Senator Fred Martin, who, by the way, S- Senator Fred Martin has an interesting uh, political challenge because he also lost his election by 11 votes mm. in a place that was won by two Democrats. Mm. So he has an interesting line to walk right now, mm-hmm. and uh, he says... Th- I don't know what will happen tomorrow. So it's like he puts it away, but he's also saying, "But probably tomorrow we're just going to vote it through."
1: Mmm, that's interesting. So he just doesn't want to. He doesn't want to, kind of, hit the nail on the head right while that other news was being released. <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. Hmm.
0: I could see that. But anyway, but the other
1: thing that Senate has its own. Bill of Medicaid expansion and some limitations, which look like it's only going to cost a tiny bit more. There's an optional work program which is going to cost an extra $140,000, and there's so there's, he's he's also promoting a Senate bill, which is a light bill that uh, barely passed in the Senate. You know, barely pass and move forward. And now the House is like, well, we're not going to pass your bill if you didn't consider ours. <laughs> so the good news is, if there is good news, is, you know, they're under a lot of political pressure. And these people are pretty incompetent. We've met a bunch of them. Uh, and so they are struggling with how do they add what they want, which is basically a way to put their agenda into proposition two medicaid expansion and they're they're really struggling with figuring out how to do it and it kind of you know we always say how willing they are to pass unconstitutional bills but it became really obvious how 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 difficult that's going to be and what a legal challenge that's going to be for them if they end up trying to pass this bill right so we're doing the Day kind of out
0: of order. Do you have anything else you wanted to talk about with nope, the, got that Medicaid one. expansion? Medicaid expansion. Uh, Medicaid expansion. So then earlier in the day, there was a bill that came up in the House yeah. who very early on HR six uh, that was I know co-sponsored. I don't think it was exclusively sponsored, but I know it was co-sponsored by Priscilla Giddings Yep. That uh, would essentially reject persecution of christians but just christians yeah so specifically uh, representative getting says that it is calling for every government to recognize the fundamental rights of christians to practice their faith without persecution or fear of death rape imprisonment forced marriage or
1: physical violence oh my god that last part though the forced forced marriage marriage. oh Oh man i bet you anything priscilla giddings uh voted for teenage brides (laughs) in idaho which is forced marriage this is your crooked ruler opportunity that we've been looking for Oh, this
0: is
1: is as crooked as it gets
0: and so this bill failed uh 31 to 39 and it was pretty hotly debated. Yeah. Where I know on the Democratic side, Representative Alana Rubel stands up and talks about how her family moved here as refugees uh, yeah. during World War II, where they were Jewish and had to come to this country. And it says nothing about calling for governments to recognize the fundal, fundamental rights of Jews. And, uh, another representative stands up who is LDS. Mm-hmm. And he says that he feels like they've been persecuted uh, for their entire religious existence for not being Christian enough.
1: Right. So it ends up losing, right? It so does. It, it, it didn't make it through. It didn't make it through. Um, but to me this type of stuff where you make a bill that names a religion and basically everything else um everything else she said she just said all religions just make it that all people have a fundamental right to practice their faith great you want to you want to say that and have people sign off on i'm pretty sure everyone would and If you're going to add the rest of this to people of all faith, should operate without persecution of fear of death, rape, imprisonment, or forced marriage, then, Priscilla Giddings, you might want to change your vote on child marriage. If you're going to pass this resolution, you might want to start living by it as well. Mm. This stuff is frustrating because if you're a person of faith, and you see your legislate legislators basically passing laws that are picking winners and losers of which religions are good and which religions are bad and which ones should have extra protections than the others. This is really, really scary stuff. And it should be scary stuff. Even if you're of the majority faith, which is where I really like seeing, you know, it was great that Rubel came out and talked as a, you know, a, a person of Jewish faith. Um, Raybold out of Rexburg, also great talking about what it's like to be LDS. And other people are like, you're not Christian enough. Um, you know, the the equal protections of different religions is something that most Americans hold really dear. And this was a crazy bill. And it is crazy how close it was.
0: Yeah, this seems like a bill that would only make it on the floor in Idaho.
1: Yeah, this is wild. this is really inappropriate. This yeah. is a really inappropriate bill.
0: All right. And so, it's an
1: inappropriate bill if you want to be able to practice religion.
0: Sure. yeah. yeah. And so yeah. a bill that we had talked about before uh, passed the Senate as well along party lines, and that's to allow 18 year olds to 20 year olds permitless concealed carries. Yeah. So now that goes to the governor. Yeah. Where it'll be signed into law. Yeah.
1: Yep. And uh, that means, um, you know, more guns in the hands of immature young people. And I know there's some law enforcement talking on the issue and have been kind of published multiple places that are really concerned. This is kind of the most impressionable, impulsive group um, carrying concealed weapons and really just putting police officers at more risk. And who
0: sponsored it in the Senate, but Senator Steve Vick, who read a letter of support from NRA lobbyists.
1: Yeah. Just so that everyone knows, I'm being supported by lobbyists on this. <laughs> it's great. Just so you know, if you all want that good NRA
0: score, you're going to vote for this.
1: <laughs> um, coming in late today was HB 217. Which had to do with urban renewal, uh. and when we really look at urban renewal issues in Idaho, it's it, it fits with the same theme, but it's about trying to get control at the state legislator level instead of trying to give control back to to uh, individual areas, and what this this bill is basically saying that um, there has to be a vote uh, for urban renewal to be used for things like municipal buildings, library, or sports stadium. So that city has to have a public vote on the issue. Now, this is basically about Boise trying to build a football stadium, I assume, or some other sports stadium, right? Yeah. And so this is an attempt by the legislature. To, it, it looks on the surface like it's about cities voting, but it's super, it's just like a really, you know, annoying Classically annoying Idaho bill which really all it's about is making it a lot harder for cities to have nice things and for the legislature 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 to be able to have that control and say this is how much harder it is for you to do that without us basically signing off on it Um, and so this is you know just an annoying game and last thing I saw is that there was it passed the house already And it looks like maybe there's some amendments that lowered the threshold and made it a lower percentage down to 51% that it's going to have to pass by um, inside of a city in the future. But it looks like it did pass the Senate is how I'm reading. And that was, you know, just minutes ago.
0: Mm. Well, classic. Classic. Can't have nice things.
1: Can't have nice things. Make it harder for cities. Make them have to spend extra money on elections. Uh, There really are issues with urban renewal. But what's interesting about urban renewal systems if anybody has followed this at length is it's this great opportunity for cities to use some tax dollars to really invest in trying to do self-improvement on their own city here we are in Coeur where urban renewals had some political um, challenges but at the same time has had all these successes which people just love in our town so this is kind of a long-standing thing is people would you know, legislators would love to figure out how to cut the teeth out of cities being able to do that. And, um, you know, it looks like maybe they made a little movement on that issue.
0: Yeah. All right. So winding down. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything uh, else you'd like to talk about on the state legislative level?
1: I don't know if there's anything else that has really jumped out to me. There certainly has been a number of bills that have come out, but it's so intriguing to watch sort of these two things that are going on, which are the sideboards to the Medicaid expansion, Proposition 2, which already passed, and at the same time trying to make it much harder for the next initiative to pass. And for them just to keep going at this week after week after week, for the entire time, is amazing. it's amazing. Oh, just man. it's just wild. I did. I mentioned it earlier. I don't know if you followed this, but there was an initiative filed to. They basically took parts of Senator Groh's bill, and they made an initiative out of it, which is filed to uh, make it easier. So yes, that you would only have to do seventeen legislative districts but there was some other component about his bill that stayed in it like you had to maybe it was like fiscal impact still had to be there and um but the percentage was still six percent and it was seven legislative districts wow or 17 not seven seven 17 so it's 18 currently right and so they were moving it to 17 and um it was interesting because The question mark would be what's going to happen if Senator Groh's bill passes, making it very, very difficult to uh, file an initiative, a ballot initiative in Idaho. And what if you've already filed one, which we know there's other ones that have been filed. Mm -hmm. And we know this one would be about the initiative process itself. So it looked like there was a couple different opinions that came out. One saying, I think that the current bill has like an emergency clause or something like that, which would make anything previously filed now have to fall under the same law. And there were some other legal arguments out there that basically you get grandfathered in by having put that out there before it. But that was an interesting target or an interesting sort of component thrown out there was somebody who's going to did file an initiative to try to make more fair initiatives
0: which would be great if it was were to be grandfathered in yeah and the senate bill would pass
1: right
0: it would create quite the interesting election cycle
1: yeah well one of the things that's going to be really interesting in this 2020 cycle is going to be how many of these initiatives end up sticking because what i'm predicting is let's say grows bills passes we have a very tough initiative process Uh, governor little signs off on it that goes through a challenge but if they can't get a court to hold that the question will be something like that initiative law would somebody still try to pass it Mm -hmm. now if it doesn't go through ironically if this bill let's say gets vetoed by brad little or something falls apart here at the last minute um we might p- who knows how many initiatives are going to be out there <laughs> like this whole cycle could be about initiatives yeah. and we could just be playing this game again for the next who knows how long oh please make it stop <laughs> <laughs> because let's imagine an initiative does pass uh, let's say this bill, you know, maybe Brad Little vetoes it. And then imagine a, a ballot initiative. Somebody starts working and collects signatures before the next legislative cycle. <laughs> and then the entire next legislative cycle and the entire next election is about this one issue. So this has been an annoying three months of talking about one thing. But this could be like, Idaho's Benghazi (laughs) this just
0: keeps going and going each cycle another ballot initiative another challenge of the ballot
1: initiative another rewriting of ballot initiative laws another 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 proposal series series of
0: lawsuits and we'll be here to cover it all
1: whether we want to or not (laughs) we will do it except at some point we're just going to get on the air and be like Ballot initiative thing seems pretty complicated and... We're ready to
0: go back to talking about education, minimum wage. Yeah, we're in Idaho. We thought
1: that's what we did. was just complained about education, low-paying jobs, no access to health care. Terrible roads. Bad roads. That's what we were supposed to be doing here. But instead, it's all about ballot initiatives, which is wild. So it's it's been a wild ride. And I think the next two days are going to be really interesting the next week could be. If it passes, then Brad Little has a narrow window. And my understanding is a whole bunch of people have been calling in trying to get him to veto. And they're just keeping a checklist, it looks like, of how many people have called in to have him veto the bill.
0: <laughs> Which, once again, there's a person working in the government's uh, governor's office whose job it is to make check marks right now.
1: I read a tweet today. I don't know if it was true or not. But the woman called in and she she said... Uh, she introduced herself and said her name and the girl on the other end was like, Oh yeah, we're not taking names. We're just doing checklists now. Um, And I'm like, well, that just means the same person can just keep calling and calling. You're going to need to take that person's name or else you're just going to get somebody calling a lot of times. Here's looking at you, Fred. (laughs) We know you're calling in all day long and you're each time saying, I didn't, intend to call in today but i am calling
0: <laughs> well it looks like he gets paid so at least he gets yeah, paid it's, part his, it's, part yeah. His, it's part of his part
1: of his job it's, you know i assume he's moderately well paid <laughs> i assume
0: yeah yeah all right so next week we'll be having uh our next ballot initiative episode
1: our next ballot initiative Please sign die. Yeah. Please. Sign I means to
0: uh, leave session or <laughs> close the session. It's Latin for words that I don't know. I think
1: it's like last day or something like yeah, that. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I but, didn't do well in Latin or <laughs> Greek, but. And it has to do with adjourned. Without, that's why without, I U.S. Without history. any future date being designated. Um without arranging a future date for something for a period of time with no fixed end. So they're ending without further meeting plans. So adjourn is pretty good. That's good. Yeah. And by next week,
0: we'll know who uh, the final four teams are. So do you have a final four prediction?
1: Oh man. Uh, All, all ACC,
0: all ACC. So Gonzaga loses to Florida Florida state. State. Okay.
1: Yep. Duke gets in Florida state. Virginia, and, Virginia UNC. and UNC we're gonna go with an all ACC final four made out of you know those guys have been forged in the furnace of that that conference yeah
0: well I don't like UNC and I don't like Kentucky so I'm really hoping Houston makes it out yeah of that be,
1: it would be really awesome to see Houston pull through I saw that 538 says there's a 0.7 percent chance of it being all ACC so it's not a very good odds but mm-hmm. it's a fun it's a fun fun answer to the question
0: yeah and Duke and UNC have never actually played in the tournament, so there's a chance they get the right? championship. Yeah, wow. never in their historic history. Like, can you say historic history? Long, <laughs> I don't think you can. Legendary, um, <laughs> confrontational history. Right. They've never actually played in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Oh boy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, if you've listened this far, we're proud of you. And
0: I can't believe it myself
1: and we're proud of you for sitting through medicaid expansion and weird games around it um whatever role you take in that whatever side you're on on that issue we're glad that you're paying attention we're glad that you listen this long whether you like this or not just that you're paying attention all the way through Um, that's what this podcast is all about is to try to give some information share the things that are coming across our desk and try to get people, um, you know, just to watch what's happening in the cycle because it's nuts. It is nothing if not entertaining,
0: I guess. It's very entertaining. It gives you something to follow. Uh, <laughs> but
1: Yeah, I was like,
0: oh, what are we going to do on the podcast? <laughs> and, I, and
1: I started reading the news, the, the news through the day and I was like, oh, oh. What are we not going to do during the Boy, (laughs) I guess we know what we have to cover. (laughs) All right, and here we go. So, everyone, thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys next week.
0: Bye. Three, two. On this week's episode of Pod Help Idaho, the other things that I was going to say then come after that. Okay, stop.